it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hey. Hi. Hey. What's up? Hey. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And this month, we are haunted with and by ourselves. Us. <laughs> because Tor proved one thing, and that's that our reputation of being the most haunted podcast in America, it's not a rumor. It is fact. It's fact. It is so wild, the amount of things that happened to us while on tour. And so because a lot of you asked, how the hell did we do 34 shows in two months and how we maintained sanity and just had questions in general and wanted to hear some stories from us, we decided we'll give it to you. We'll tell you all the <laughs> things. And Corinne, in order to start this episode, I need to play something for you because okay, someone this morning in our DMs was like, I was just listening to Encounters 96, which came out in like 2020. And it is so funny to see how things have changed. So I'm going to play a little clip for you. Uh-oh. I feel like this is going to be putting me on blast in some sort of way. No, this is putting both of us on blast. And it's not even on blast. Okay. It's more of just like we've evolved. Okay. I'm going to play this. And this is um, Encounters 96, which came out September 27th, 2020. And we were reading a listener story from someone who went to do an overnight at the Conjuring House. And then this is our discussion afterwards. Direction that the family went in terms of their own uh, mental state while being there. You know, like who's coming through? I don't know. I mean, I think I talked about parent family. I can't remember what episode it was, but I feel like we'll have to, we'll have to go back and re-listen to that to figure out the answers to this. Right. But there's so many spirits at that house. The seven soldiers thing seven spirits. It's crazy. I'm glad to hear that this house is used more for, I mean, granted, I don't know, but it sounds like the family that owns it doesn't really live there. And they just let people come in and do Mm -hmm. investigations because I could not imagine living in that house when this is just a casual night 
of experiences. Although, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, if you can remember, which honestly, we, we, we both usually forget. So we might not get to the answer <laughs> right now. But wasn't it the Conjuring house that a couple had moved into like within the past year and a half? And they were setting up all of the cameras in the house and were making like a documentary of all of the paranormal activity that would happen there. It was a couple. In 2019, there's all these articles in the summer of 2019 that were posted. A couple bought the Conjuring house, uh, Jennifer and Corey Heinzen. And they're like, yep, it's definitely haunted. So I believe that they were setting up cameras. Yeah, a couple who bought Conjuring home and installed 24-7 cameras say it's definitely still haunted. This is a Unilad uh, article. Oh, geez. We got to figure it out. Also, I'm going to Rhode Island in a few weeks. Maybe I'll <gasps> maybe I'll do a little drive by. Wait, please do. Maybe just I've do an overnight so. stay. Oh hell no! <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> Who are you talking to? <laughs> okay, well, Haley's videos look really fun, to be honest. But it was a big group, so I feel like we would need a big, bigger group to do it with. Yeah, true. Mm, yeah, and keep all the lights on. Group of thirty. So that I can be in the middle and not see anything the entire time. <laughs> that's the that's what I'm into. Interesting. We basically were like, we'll never go unless there's 30 people there. We went with four. Well, there were four people. We were two of them. And I never got to be in the middle. I was on the side the entire time. <laughs> you were in the middle. Yeah. Because ghosts were calling my names. Things have changed. One thing that never changed was us just talking about the Conjuring House and always thinking about it, though. Now we've finally been. Guess it was a matter of time before we went back on on our rules of not doing an overnight and did one. And now we are, like, so addicted to it that we want to do it all the time and do way more paranormal investigations. I also feel like we did an investigation that was a wonderful investigation, and I feel like if we had started and had a really horrifying and horrible experience the first time, we'd be like, never again. But because The Conjuring House was such a great place, and because we felt somewhat comfortable there and had so much communication, I think that we think of investigating as this, like, incredible thing. And perhaps there will be one time where we're like, holy shit, that was the scariest thing in the world. We will definitely, I mean, we're scared regardless. Like, when things happened on stage, like, we were spooked. So, and if anything, I think the biggest thing that would keep us or prevent us from doing it again is if like something dark attached itself to us that we weren't able to like shake that would definitely be like a we're putting a kibosh on this so if you've been living under a rock perhaps or if you haven't listened and you're new to the podcast as some context corinne and i have spent six years talking about researching haunted locations we grew up in haunted homes we're no strangers to paranormal encounters, but we've never willingly no. put ourselves into a haunted place for the sole purpose of talking to, researching, communicating with spirits. Until more than a year ago, we decided to go and do an overnight at the Conjuring House and do like a full, more journalistic approach to what is haunting the Conjuring House. And then from September through November of this year, we went on tour to 32 cities to present our findings and meet a bunch of our listeners. And we had so many encounters at the Conjuring House. We learned so much about this place. And we're basically professional paranormal investigators now. Also, yeah, sure. We had plenty of stuff happen to us in the actual house. But the amount of activity that happened in those 32 cities during those 34 shows 
it did make me question like how much of our communication at the conjuring house was with the spirits of the conjuring house and how much was just whoever's following us and are they following us or were we just communicating with the spirits of of the different theaters or like things that right. people bring with them i have no clue but we just me i either. felt like we had constant communication with the other side for the past few months let's start with what was before going on tour and in doing the investigation, what was your biggest takeaway about The Conjuring House? Um, that it was scary. That everything, all the spirits in that house were there to scare people and that they did not want the company and that they did not want people in the house. I think that's what I thought. I thought no matter what, your experience would kind of be like a get out sort of situation. Oh, that, so that's not your biggest takeaway. That's the biggest like shift in mindset. That's what you thought before going to the house. Well, what do you mean by takeaway about the Conjuring House before actually doing the Conjuring House? No, no, no. I was saying what was your biggest takeaway like before we went on tour after doing the investigation? Oh, okay. Well, I guess the opposite of that, that the spirits are actually pretty kind and that they yeah. remember the people that come there and they enjoy hanging out with people that are respectful and aren't trying to elicit a type of behavior out of them. Yeah, I agree. What is yours? My biggest takeaway, I think, is that the narrative that is perpetuated by the Conjuring film of Bathsheba Sherman being like the evil spirit haunting the house is actually not true mm -hmm. at all. And Bathsheba Sherman never haunted the home, was never a satanic worshiper. Yeah. So I think that was my biggest takeaway is that despite that being so much in the zeitgeist of like what is haunting the Conjuring house, it's actually not true. Right. And it is kind of sad that that did happen because it's like movies can make stuff up. Like they're already making up things about Bathsheba's yeah. story. So why use an actual person who did live and exist? I get that she was in a way tied to the story because of the Warrens. And so they were staying true to that. But there was no like flashing on the screen after being like justice for Bathsheba. Like this isn't her her real story. This is just made up. What I took away from the conversation we had with Chad and Carrie Hayes, who wrote the film, is that there are two sides to every story, right? Like Andrea Perrin and her family lived in the house and like very, very strongly believe that it was not Bathsheba. But then there's Lorraine and Ed Warren, who in their minds, I believe fully still, even in the afterlife, probably still believe that it was Bathsheba. And that was right. the narrative that they were telling because they were telling the story from... They were telling Ed and Lorraine's investigation. Yeah. Even so... It makes me sad just because of what does happen to her grave Yeah. after that. Yes. Were there any places that we went that surprised you, like how you felt there? You mean on tour? Like I know there was one theater that you felt really off in. That was in Norfolk, Virginia. That one I felt so off. It was a combination of my PMSing and like I was about to get my period, but also like immediately just had really bad energy and felt lightheaded and like had a headache and just felt like a darkness like it just didn't feel yeah. good that was also the show that people saw like the shadows in the wings like poking its head out yeah and listening yeah. although it was doing that a lot when we were talking about the seven dead soldiers buried in the walls so it did make me wonder if it was a soldier or maybe them coming to listen to that part of the story but i did find norfolk interesting because I really liked that town and that city and I didn't get any bad vibes in the theater. And it was actually like you and I basically were like, oh, we should pick out like five places we could live out of all the places that we visited that we could like see ourselves living in. 
And I actually really liked Norfolk. But it's like, that's a perfect example again of like, we walked into the Conjuring house and I felt so good and welcomed and you did not. And then we go to Norfolk and I feel great there and I love it. And the theater is like, get out <laughs> to you. Well, yeah, because I loved the town. I know, but I said the theater. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, yeah. T- I'm not saying that you're being mean about the town. I'm saying the theater. That's right. why I was specific with my language there. I don't want people to get upset. Like it extended to me to the theater, like my... My enjoyment of the town, one of the oldest cities in America. Like, I thought it was great. Should we talk a little bit about how our tour came to be and how we picked the places and how... We were a bit oblivious to tour life. And then we can talk about specific experiences we had in like different cities and maybe talk through like each weekend and like kind of the big highlights and then experiences from people who were haunted. This is like a memory game. I know. I'm never going to remember where we were and what happened there. This is why I wanted to journal and I got us those journals and then I never used it. (laughs) Yeah. Whoops. I knew I wasn't going to journal. I was realistic about it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So the tour was totally intentional. We'd always talked about going to a haunted place and doing some sort of like haunted road trip. And we were like, okay, well, the reality is we want to go on tour and we do want a haunted road trip, but we can't necessarily make tour and a haunted road trip where we go to a bunch of different stops and stay at different haunted places work entirely at the same time. So what if we choose one place that we've talked about a lot and have you know some fear or a lot of unanswered questions about? And then- we can go on a tour of sorts and try to like experience as much as we can in those cities while we're there. And so that's how we chose, honestly, the Conjuring House is pretty much like the first suggestion. I think you and I both had, we're like, yep, sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Because it's also close to me. So it was an easy place to go to because mm-hmm. I live in Massachusetts, not far from there. And, and then, then in terms of how we went where we went, that part was a mistake slash us being naive and not understanding how tour works. Okay, let's pause for a second. How did you feel about tour generally? What was your takeaway of tour? Tour is not for me. I'll be completely <laughs> honest. This is this is not for me. No. I loved meeting people. That was awesome. But I am not a travel on the road type of person. I don't think I'll ever be that type of person. And so this was an awesome experience to have, but it is the last time I do something like this. It was very, very hard. It was very hard. It was very difficult. It was such a cool experience. And it's like surreal that we got to do it and that, that people from all over the country and we went to another country, went to Canada too, like all over the world were coming to see us. Mm-hmm. Like that is so surreal because we do this at home by ourselves. Like we don't get to interact with all of you that often, but we definitely won't do it the way that we did it this time because we didn't get to explore anything. We didn't get to like relax. No. We thought we'd have a lot more downtime. We thought we'd be able to like go see a lot of places in these cities. And unfortunately, because of the schedule and like having shows back to back to back to back, we were waking up at 4 a.m. to catch flights. We were eating Domino's at like 1030 in the morning for like sustenance. And it just was definitely hard to maintain like a semblance of sanity and life during the last two and a half months. Yeah. 
but it was such an incredible experience. Well, because really we we would have like 90 minutes of fun every day, which was like the show and getting to meet everyone. And then the rest of it was really mentally and physically taxing. Yeah. As well. So it was like, yeah, we didn't, it wasn't what we expected it to be. But what we did get from it was so awesome. And like getting to meet people who we recognize their like faces and their names and mm-hmm. be like, I'm so and so. And we're like, oh my God, we're finally meeting you yeah. after years of like talking on Patreon or on Campfire Stories or whatever. So that was really, really cool. And I also think it was an incredible thing for you and I as like people and as friends to do because I don't think most like a lot of people wouldn't be able to do that. And we, work so well together. And like, yes, we have our different habits and we have our different like preferences. Like you're a breakfast eater. I'm like a late night eater. So we had like reverse schedules on certain things. You're like stay up until 1am and and snack. And I'm like, I'm up at seven o'clock and 7am means I eat at (laughs) 7am. Yeah. But like, I don't think that every friendship could like sustain itself or get through two and a half months of like constantly being with one another and you and I yeah. did. And I think that says so much about our friendship and makes me appreciate you so much because we do this cross country from each other and we have a business that we've done for six years. But mm-hmm. being on the road with one another for two and a half months can test each other's boundaries and like limits. And you and I were, are, were so respectful of one another. And I don't know, it just makes me love you and appreciate you as a person so much more. Well, I mean, I feel like we said this already that we would be great at the amazing race. So good. Because <laughs> this was our training. We do have like it, it affected us each mentally and physically in different ways at different points. But I feel like <laughs> Do you want to p- block something? Do you need an umbrella? I don't own things. This is everything I have in the I haven't lived here. <laughs> I don't have a curtain. I don't have a towel. <laughs> I have nothing to block this sun from my face. All right. You're like, oh, when are you gonna record in your office? In three months when my office is set up, I have nothing. (laughs) Yeah, you just got home. You could take your time. I just got home. I think that there were, like, throughout the tour, like, we both were very excited about things at the same time, which were good. And then there were times that we both were like, this is really hard and we just want to be sleeping in our own beds. And I feel like we were good at finding the things each other needed in that moment. And even though we both felt bad, like, picking up where we needed yeah. And that is a great quality to have on the amazing race. <laughs> so. It's also, I think, very true of our business relationship. Like there are weeks where, you know, I'm having mental issues and like struggling and you pick up the slack and you're very like, don't worry, I got this. And then like vice versa. Like if you're really busy or struggling, like I'm like, don't worry, I got this. And we really do help each other like pick up where the other person is struggling. Like I, I think that is a remarkable yeah. friendship and rare. It is nice. Tour yeah. definitely, it was something that we both had wanted to do. I think it was worth it. Like, I th- I don't regret going on tour at all. I think it was awesome, like, meeting everyone and getting to do the show. And it was actually, so many people asked us, they were like, is it hard doing the same show every single day? We're like, no, because you can kind of, yeah, we had, like, some of the jokes that we knew would land as we were, yeah. like, kind of going through and getting the rhythm of the show that we would incorporate in every single show once we figured out people thought it was funny (laughs) yeah but there was a lot of room for us to like play and there were a lot of spirit activity and like different energies that people brought to each show so i thought it was really fun we even had like revelations in the show we'd do like 20 shows and then we'd be like wait a second we just made this connection 
Yeah. And so I thought that that was, it was fun to do. I agree. And I also think the show changed and evolved a lot from the very beginning. The version of the show that we did in Chicago is very different from the version of the show that we did our very final show in Denver. Yes, there's a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. and a lot of same content, but we cut things, we like revise things. We also, there is an element of improv. We're comedians, I guess, Corinne, because we basically had to react to the spirits. Like we got them involved. And when things happened, we were like, okay, we're on our feet. What's happening? Yeah. Or you were on your feet running over to sit on my lap because you were scared of what was happening. Yeah. There was only two shows that it spooked us enough that we were like, okay, we're going to inch as far away from where we know the spirits are as possible. But otherwise, it was very fun. I hit the deck multiple times. Yeah, you did. Oh, okay. But here's why we went to so many shows. Because most people, in fact, actually every single venue we went to, employees told us that we had to be out of our minds. And we're like, we oh, might that's be. funny you say so. Because there was an element to that. Basically, what happened was our team who's in charge of booking our tour, mm-hmm. we said, hey, we want to go on tour here's our analytics, you know, and then they look at that and they propose places to go. They sent us a list of 32 places. Yeah, We thought that was our tour schedule. So we said, cool. What we didn't know was that happens and you're supposed to then choose where out of those options you go. Yeah. <laughs> so we essentially said yes to every single option that was on the table for us. And then we went to every single option. And that's how we ended up on tour for two straight months. You live and you learn. (laughs) Anywhere that would take us, we said yes. We said yes. (laughs) This was definitely a very massive learning experience for us. There are a lot of things we would do differently if we were to go back in time. I think the, and I said this to you multiple times while we were on tour, the early flights I could, I could manage, like I could handle, like, yes, I was sleepy, but I could handle that. It was the lugging merch through airports and all of our suitcases that was I don't know what it was it was like this is going to drive me crazy I know but at the same time like the early morning flights were tough because it's like we did the early morning flights and then we'd be like oh let's go do this or we have to record when we get to the hotel and both of us would be like no we have to sleep again so our sleep schedules were crazy yeah so even if we did early morning flights in the future we wouldn't get to like see anything But then it's like, then you risk not being able to get there because exactly what happened in Toronto. If we hadn't gotten up at 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. or whatever to get on a 4.30 flight, we wouldn't have known that that second leg, we wouldn't have had the time to drive to Pittsburgh. For context, we, so we had a flight from Toronto to Pittsburgh, but it was a connecting flight because there were no direct flights. So we had to fly Toronto to Baltimore, Baltimore to Pittsburgh. We were about to board our flight. And this is at like 5 a.m. So we got to the airport at 3 a.m. We check our bags. We get through. We're literally about to board the flight. I open my Delta app and it says Baltimore to Pittsburgh canceled. And (laughs) I was like, Corinne, we can't get on this plane right now. This is when we discovered we'd be incredible on the amazing race because we were like, okay, well, we have to deal with this. So we go to the desk. We cancel our flights. We ask them to get our bags off the plane. Corinne, you yeah. go get a car. We like look it up. It's like a four and a half hour drive or five hour drive. So you go rent a car. Thank goodness. It was like the only car available. And they were like, you're so lucky that this was available. Yes. First in line at 5 a.m. when that desk opened. And then we drove from Toronto 
to Pittsburgh and we made the most of it. We got Domino's at 10.30 a.m. We stopped at Niagara Falls, got some vertigo looking over the falls and uh, made it to Pittsburgh. Yeah. So we had someone actually in Charlotte, someone at that venue asked, how do you guys stay healthy while you're on tour? And we said, we don't. We don't. And because of how little time we had to actually travel between like the call time at the venue and like landing at the airport, we got to explore local places in very few cities. And so we relied primarily on Chipotle and Domino's. More Chipotle. I think we got Domino's twice and Diet Coke. Chipotle was a lot though. Yeah, Chipotle was a lot. We should get a sponsorship just based on purely how much we went. (laughs) Honestly, I'm still craving Chipotle. Like I could get Chipotle tonight. I don't think I'll ever have too much Chipotle. (laughs) That's the craziest thing. Last night, I was craving sugar so badly because of how much sugar we've been having on tour. Oh my God. And it was insatiable. Like I was like, I need to eat ice cream. I'm looking, I'm like rummaging through my baskets on my cabinet. I'm like, I need candy. Seriously. I also had to stop. I have habits where like travel was in my past. Like I used to travel all the time, but now I'm at a point in my life where I don't travel often and that's by choice. Like I am a homebody. I want to be home. I want to be nesting. I want to be here. And so for for the past couple of years, I haven't really traveled much. But I don't feel like I'm missing out because I traveled so damn much throughout my life. But in me moving towards like not traveling as frequently, I have travel snacks that would be like a special occasion. So it'd be like when I'm on a road trip, I get to eat Flaming Hot Cheetos. When I'm on a plane in the airport, I get to eat a Snickers bar because it would be once or twice a year. It was a treat. And when we were on tour, my body was like, we're in an airport, time for a Snickers I had to try to kick that out of me after right. the first like week or two because I was like, I can't be eating Cheetos and Snickers every day, all day. <laughs> I also like used to be so good at sleeping on planes. And then in the last like three mm-hmm. years, I just haven't been. But tour made me so much better at it again because I was like, I just need sleep. So I'm going to. We have to tell people how you sleep on planes. Literally, put this is my trick. I wore my Conjuring House hoodie and I put the hood up and I would either... Literally, here, I'll act it out. This is me sitting on a plane. And this is me sleeping on a plane. I could never. It's She would literally fold over, like be basically head on her knees. Yeah. Sleeping. That's how you know I was so tired is like literally I could sleep yeah. in the most uncomfortable position. I don't think I could breathe. I think I've got a lot of like belly and boob that would suffocate me before I get there. <laughs> but like, I don't know how your back didn't spasm. I'm sure when I go to Bronca, my masseuse, she's going to be like, what have you been doing? (laughs) The other biggest misconception that we had was so we were really diligent in terms of we knew we would be busy. We knew we had a lot going on. And we knew we wouldn't have time to research because of how much energy and time that takes going, like, you know, prepping for research episodes, which are our Sunday mm-hmm. episodes. So we were like, let's front load them and record a bunch of these before we go on tour. But we'll have time to record encounters. The shows are mostly like 738. Like we'll have time during the days to record those when we're together. It's like lower lift. We just pull emails. Well, I want to defend myself a little bit right here because I said <laughs> we should record them all ahead of time. And you said no. It'll be so great to do it when we're in person. 
And I was like, I agree. But my pitch to you was like, let's record them all. And then if we have time to do the encounters, we can do them in person and use the pre-recorded ones later <laughs> after tour. And you're like, it'll be fine. And I was like, okay, I guess we do have some time. Sure. We did we can, make it we work. We can record an hour-long episode. We did make it work. We could not. We made it work. Barely. <laughs> Barely. We were late delivering a few episodes to our editors. That's for sure. We had way less time than we thought. But in my defense, to your defense, <laughs> is that in pre-recording, we were recording so many episodes that like I was so exhausted before we even went on tour. Yeah. Like that was a lot. I think the front loading is a lot of work. I think it's just like when you're when you have to front load stuff. This is advice to anyone else who's like podcasting or or wants to start. If you know something's coming up, like we knew we were going on tour, we should have started recording in April in preparation for the months, like once a week or once every other week, do an extra episode. But we didn't. We left it for like the last two months before when we were already trying to plan all of our travel and everything else. Oh, here's a trick for travel. Have your mom book all your hotel rooms because mm -hmm. Deb Vienne was our travel agent. <laughs> she helped us so much. We didn't book a single hotel. She booked everything and then just would send me a PDF with all of the information, confirmation numbers, price, address, distance away from venue, distance away from airport. Yeah. It was so great. Deb VN, snaps for Deb. Snaps for Deb. Okay. So that's a little bit about thing hiccups, things that we didn't expect going into tour and things that we've learned and have the foresight or no, the after sight. We did not have the foresight to know about and now can't change it. But if we were to ever do it again, we know some things. Mm -hmm. So we went to 32 cities. We did 34 shows. And our very first weekend, let's start there. We went to Chicago. We went to Minnesota, Toronto, and Pittsburgh. Was that our first in weekend? Pittsburgh. Yeah. We saw Jerry and Sarah from Ladies and Tangents in Pittsburgh, which was so mm -hmm. much fun. Our Chicago show was like so wild. It was like so surreal. Oh my gosh. Chicago was so fun. Yeah. That was the best place to kick off the tour. Yeah. That venue. Oh, the Den Theater. It was so in Chicago. The Den Theater and then Dynasty Typewriter Dynasty in LA. Typewriter. Mm -hmm. Okay. Those two were my favorite theaters in terms of their stage setup because it the was vibe. exactly our aesthetic without us like doing or bringing anything. Right. Those were perfect. Yeah. I also love that our stage, like our set design changed throughout tour because people would give us things like someone gave us, um, I actually have Andy right here. Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy. I'll just keep Andy here to keep us company for the show or for yeah. this episode. And also, so that first weekend, I think it was only the first weekend that we played hide and clap, the hide and clap game. That was something that we did for the first four shows. And I am not confident it made it past the first four it shows. Didn't. So what we did would, yeah, we took a break in the middle of our show mm -hmm. and we would have Sabrina be blindfolded in an audience member hide somewhere in the audience and then we would play hide and clap, which is from the Conjuring movie where someone's hiding and the other one's like clapping, like giving claps with how close they are. Mm -hmm. And that was so fun in two of the venues from that weekend. But the other two, we realized it's so dependent on how the chairs are set up and everything and how you can move about the space. 
Yeah. And so that wasn't something that made it into the rest of the cities because it wasn't playable in every venue. Well, now I'm thinking about it. I do think we did it in Seattle. Did we? Yeah, because I remember we were in that venue. I do. So I, it might have made it two weekends or like a weekend and a half. But the Chicago one mm. was by far the best. Like, I don't know what overcame me. I started climbing backwards upstairs. Like people were screaming and reacting. People were like reaching out and grabbing us as we were walking by. Yeah. Like, people would scoot their entire chairs and tables that out of the wild. way for you to just randomly move throughout. Like that was really fun. Yeah. And so we were like, this is going to be great. And then we realized a lot of other venues are far too tight yeah. for anyone to be able to like inch their way yeah. around for Sabrina to like blindfolded roam around the venue. And so it wasn't quite as fun because it was, there was only like basically one path and you just had to like essentially walk straight down that path and right. find the person. So. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted. It was good while it lasted. So if anyone went to those few shows, they got something that everyone else didn't. Yeah. And then there were some other videos and things that we, like we edited the the show a bit as we yeah. were going. So some of the things that we discussed or some of the videos or EVPs that were presented got changed yeah. or edited as we went. We also wanted to make time because we, so for the show, we bought a bunch of paranormal equipment, hunt, ghost hunting equipment to get the ghosts involved. And we were like, you know, who knows if anything will actually happen and we can't rely on anything happening. And then immediately things started happening and we were like, okay, yeah. I guess we need to make more time for this because there are ghosts with us. There are ghosts at these venues. They have things that they want to say and we want to hear them. So we were like, this is important and this is such a cool, unique experience. And we had a lot happen. We also have emails from people who like experienced hauntings from our show, which we'll read a couple in a minute. But we went to San Francisco and when we were there, we went to Alcatraz. Mm -hmm. And leading up to the San Francisco show, like so many things were happening. We were having so much activity. And all of a sudden, after the San Francisco show, after Corinne and I went to Alcatraz, crickets. For a long time. Yeah. I feel like it was like six shows of silence. Yeah. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but it did feel like truly there was nothing crickets. for a bit after that. Which was, again, emphasis to us that like, one, either we left ghosts behind at Alcatraz or our ghosts were so scared of us because they're like, don't ever take us to spooky, sad places like yeah. that again. I don't know. Oh, we also need to talk about the weekend one hiccup. I got COVID. <laughs> Never had it before, but... We believe that I got it in Chicago because I started going downhill in Toronto and we didn't know what was wrong. Yeah. We thought maybe it was exhaustion. Maybe I was experiencing a small stroke. Yeah. And then as soon as I got home, I had the chills and a fever, immediately took a COVID test positive. And that was essentially like when I took the COVID test and yeah. I was home, that was four days after Chicago. So we think it was- One of you- Probably Chicago. Gave Corinne COVID. And I was so good. Like, I was wearing a mask everywhere we went on the plane. Like, I was determined to not be sick. But then I got it the very first show. And you know what? I think that that was perfectly timed because although we had to reschedule our second leg, then we knew I wasn't going to get COVID. Or if I did, yeah. it would be way less severe. And also, it was the longest stretch of time because we had to reschedule our, our second leg. That was the longest stretch of time that we had anyway. Yeah. So, like, I had a lot of time to recover yeah. before we went back on the road. So I think that was the best place I could have possibly gotten It sick. was so sad because, so yeah, you woke up sick. So we had the first weekend, 
Pittsburgh was our last show and Jerry, Sierra, Kurt and I had like a slumber party at our hotel after the show. It was so much fun. But when you got home and you woke up with COVID, you were like, because it was like Sierra's wedding was that next Sierra's weekend. wedding was like five days later. I was absolutely panicked. Yeah. Part of me was like, do I just not tell them? <laughs> like hope for the best. But then I was like, that's irresponsible. Yeah. I don't want to like make Sierra nervous about anything, but I also should tell her so that yeah. if anything happens, she can do as much as she possibly can to like be better or stay okay. And she was fine. And so I did tell them and they were like, oh, wow. okay, thanks for letting us know. And they were perfectly fine. <laughs> totally no fine. one else caught it. Yeah, I didn't get it. as the only one. Yeah. I did have a thought because I wasn't wearing my mask at the meet and greets. And there were a few people in the first two shows during the meet and greets that were coughing quite a bit. And I was the one like mostly talking to them and standing very closely to them. And I did have a, have a thought like, am I going to get sick? And then you did. I did. <laughs> We're all just sharing spirits and illnesses over here in the TGOG community. Sharing spirits and spit. <laughs> One thing became very clear to me during tour. You have a powerful manifesting ability. You had that thought and then you got sick. There were two times this past weekend where you thought something or said something out loud and then it happened. One was the water refill thing. What was the second one? I wanted a water refill station. And then two seconds later, some guy ran at me with a bucket to pour my water into. What was the other thing? I said it and then it immediately like came immediately true. happened. Now I'm blanking. But yeah. It was something else that was like small enough, but odd enough yeah. that it wasn't like wishing to happen upon a thousand dollars or something. But it was it was something where, you know, like as easy as a water refill station. Like I wish there was somewhere that I could just dump my water bottle yeah, right something now. something like that. And then someone comes running up with like, dump it into this. Yeah. It was something like that where it's like those things exist in enough places, but it was odd that it happened. Right after Right away it. when it did. What was it? This is going to bother me. All right. Well, we'll circle back. I'm sure it will come to us. Okay. The other hiccup was, and this is not a hiccup, but more of a... I was irresponsible as a 30-year-old woman, and I missed- I wasn't sure if you wanted to bring this up. I wasn't going to say anything. And I missed my flight from Sacramento to Nashville. I was at a wedding in Sacramento, and in order to get to Nashville- for So the wedding was on the 28th, and our Nashville show was on the 29th. Getting from Sacramento to Nashville is very difficult. There are no direct flights. I had to like- In order to get there in time- I booked a flight that left at 5.30 in the morning from Sacramento and connected in Denver and then to Nashville getting in at like 1.30. And we had to be at the venue at like 3.30 mm -hmm. or something like that, 4. I drank. I was overserved. Um, no, I will take responsibility. I drank too much. <laughs> overserved and overordered. Yes. And also like I have, like I don't drink that much. There was like a, you know, for a year I was pretty much like not drinking at all. So like my ability to really handle my alcohol has always been questionable. But um, I drank far too much and I slept through my alarm and I woke up at 5.30 to two missed calls from Corinne and like the most sweet, calm voicemail from you. Like you could have been very panicked, which you might've been internally, but you were like, so I see your location is still at the hotel. Your flight leaves in 15 minutes. Um, hope you're okay. Yeah. I was more just like, I knew you'd wake up confused and it was more to have another voice tell you, yes, you did miss your flight. You yeah. need to book a new one. Because <laughs> I was like, you're missing it. Like, it is what it is. What am I going to do? Yeah. Nothing. I've already tried calling you. You didn't wake up. I don't 
know who you're rooming with. Like I, that was all I could do. My alarm was going off from 3 a.m. all the way until I woke up at 5.30 a.m. So I don't know why I woke up at that moment, but I did. And I, the first thing I said was, oh, fuck. Yeah. And thank God you woke up then because you had about, if you didn't wake up then, you had maybe like another 90 minute period to wake up and be able to get onto to a show. flight before you would have missed yeah. the show because of it needing to be a connecting flight. I looked yeah. up every single connecting flight possible that day. And I was like, if she doesn't get up in the next 90 minutes to two hours, she's not going to be able to get on one of those flights that gets her there before the show time. But you know what? I did it. And you did. Somebody woke you up, a spirit. Something. Sven said, get up. <laughs> get your ass out of bed. But yeah, so I got into Nashville at like 3 p.m. and picked you up immediately on the way from the airport to the hotel and went straight to the venue and mm -hmm. thrived. I dressed up as Megan. Yeah, it was great. It all worked out. Did the Megan dance? We, okay, so if anyone hasn't seen our Halloween costumes, mm -hmm. the very first day we were dolls and yeah. we knew what each other were going to be. So I dressed up as Raggedy Ann in honor of Annabelle yeah. from the movies. You dressed up as Megan yeah. in honor of Dolls. this past year's scary doll movie. Day two, we had no idea who we were dressing up as. Mm -hmm. I showed up. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about yours. <laughs> well, okay. So we were in New Orleans and we were like, we want to surprise each other with the costumes. So I basically went to go to the bathroom and I was like, I'll be back. I'm going to come back in costume. So I went to the bathroom and I got dressed and I entered the dressing room as Zach Bagans. And then you went to the bathroom and came in. And I, I was Miss Trunchbull. Sabrina, did you know who I was? I feel like the, both night two and night three, you did not know who I was. And I had to tell you my costume. Wait, when you walked in as Miss Trunchbull? Yeah. Did you know? Of course. Oh, wait. Yes, you did. Because you saw the leather gloves before I put them on and you knew. Yeah. When you were about to go to the bathroom, I was like, oh, I think I know what you're being. And then I had told you before, I was like, you know who I'm being. You just don't know you know because you had brought up Miss Trunchbull yeah. like four days before. And then night three, so. we were in Atlanta at City Winery. And the only rule we had for that costume was bald caps. It was bald caps, but you you edited it without my knowledge and you went receding hairline. Well, okay. To be fair, I always knew that that was going to be my Halloween costume and like the Halloween night. I was like, I'm always going to be this one thing. And then I was talking about bald caps because it kind of it kind of is. And then you were like, oh, should yeah, we you do pitched bald caps. Right. <laughs> it it bordered. I, I found a little bit of a loophole, but it was definitely like oh. receding hairline. Anyway, so that was our rule. And you were Pennywise. Yeah. And then you were Blue Man Group, a single member of the Blue Man Group. We also have a video of that, which Payne took. Dylan took it. Payne helped direct yes. it. But Dylan, the actual videographer from Tenderfoot TV. Oh, no, no, not that one. The one the one where we exit the bathroom and see each other for the first time. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got ready in the bathroom. I got ready in the green room. And then it was like, you ready? And then it was like, I'm ready. And then you opened the door and it was like a, a big reveal. Yeah, I just got so confused because... Did you see the thumbs up Will thing? you put your thumb up again? I don't know why it does that. It does it randomly and it has okay. nothing to do with my thumb up. It does like a weird thought bubble. And then... Okay, I just saw this. We're recording on the Riverside app. And for the first time ever, 
I just saw a, a like big thumbs up, like a cartoon thumbs up go across Sabrina's screen. <laughs> confused the hell out of me. It happened when we were together. It also happened last episode oh. we were recording. One of the great perks of going on tour was not only meeting everyone who listens and also meeting some of the familiar names and faces like Jendi and Eric mm-hmm. and Litha, Julia, Delena. Mm-hmm. Probably Teeth. still saying Delena's name wrong. I know, sorry. And we met someone who's done our art before. Jenna. Jenna J. JB Doodle Art. JB Doodle Art. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, we got to meet so many people. Oh, and and we met, I know so many people have seen the cartoons that we've posted from on our Instagram and some amazing like posters that we've shown before on Patreon and whatnot. But we got to meet the artist behind the drawings. Jordan. Jordan Monsell. Yeah. So that was awesome. And we got to meet so many podcasting friends. So too. many. So like we saw Payne a couple times because he happened to be in the same cities. He might have been our we biggest groupie. He was like at more shows yeah. than most. We had one listener who came to three shows and then Payne They're came tied. to three shows. <laughs> They're tied with Payne. Payne happened to be in New York when we were in New York. He happened to be in Dallas when we were in Dallas. And then he lives in Atlanta. And so he'd always planned yeah. to come to the Atlanta show. And so at that point, he just, I guess, had to come to a third show. And then he was almost in Vegas when we were in Vegas. And I was like, you cannot come again because that would be we'd be concerned too much. Like I also would be self-conscious making the same jokes yeah. again for the fourth time in a row for someone in the audience. There was, which was, it, it was our New Orleans show. And because I was outing people who didn't believe and at a New Orleans show in the front row, someone named Damien was like, I don't believe. And then you were like, wait, you've been at a show before. And sure enough. Yeah. He had been to another one. Yeah. So I was like, someone else. Who who else doesn't believe? Yeah. His partner is a listener. Yeah. And so they came to two because I was like, Damien. I was like, that's such a unique name. There's no way that we had two shows where someone raised their hands for not believing and it was Damien. It's also so funny that a Damien doesn't believe. Of course not. Of course. Also, after the Halloween show, you had to go wash off the blue, blue man group from yourself. I went back yes. to the Tenderfoot offices and got tattoos yeah you did i got my little ghosty and my hot sauce Payne got a, a planchette after cursing us with a little mini ouija board yeah which we've told the story already yeah. but a very quick synopsis is we were on talking to death Payne's new show that comes out it's already out by the time this episode mm-hmm. comes out we're not sure when the episode we're on will come out but we'll yeah. let you guys know follow us on social media <laughs> but We happened to have a tiny little plastic Ouija board, like ornament-sized, that Payne had brought out for the episode, gifted to us. Sabrina puts it in her laptop sleeve alongside her laptop in her backpack. Laptop no longer would turn on. Our show was on that laptop, runs to Apple. Apple says, this never happens. The brain of your computer is dead. We go, shit, that really sucks. Jokingly, Sabrina puts a bag of crystals on top of it. Computer wakes back up. Computer's fine. 90 seconds later, I hear ding. And I was like, what the fuck? And it works. And since then, my computer has been so weird, so wonky. Well, because we took the bag of crystals off and the bag of crystals came home with me Mm. after that weekend. And then when we came back together, I no longer had the crystals to give to you. And your computer has not been working perfectly ever since. I have plenty of crystals and it's still like just is not working the same way. And Apple's like, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm like, well, clearly there's something wrong with it. So I need to get a new one. It's a haunted computer, Apple. It is a haunted computer. What don't you understand about this? There are ghosts attached to it. 
Isn't this in your Apple Care Plus plan? Do you want to know what time my computer says it is right now? Because since all of this has happened, the time does not like work. Even though it's like synced to appletime.com, it says that it is Tuesday, November 14th at 3.27 a.m. right now, which it is actually 11.42 a.m. Interesting. What time zone is this? Maybe that gives us a clue as to where the spirit is, who they are. It says that it's in the L.A. time zone. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is really... Oh, man. The brain of my computer is very confused. Do you have a favorite show or two that we did? Oh, I really loved our Portland when I, I, the energy of that Portland, Oregon, the energy was just like, people were stoked to be there. And then I loved our Denver show. I just, I think the sentimentalness of it being our last show, the going on mm-hmm. the little ghost hunt that we did at Cervantes ballroom before the show, and then the amount of activity that was happening and just like the energy of it being our final show. I think it really um, yeah, was incredible. I agree. I think Denver was definitely one of my favorite shows. What were your others? Honestly, I think the last two. I think Phoenix and Denver. Because Phoenix was funny. Like this, We had a lot of spirit activity and spirit intervention. And it was all in relation to like pervy jokes we were making. It was all like Mm -hmm. kind of sexual or just like funny. And they were responding to that. And then in Denver... I thought Denver was so great because we got so much activity, but not only did activity happen to like the actual equipment we had on stage, but everyone was seeing stuff, us included. Like the two people who worked for Cervantes Ballroom that were there that were like by the side, basically as security into the stage and green room, both of those women saw things. They both saw like this small misty being kind of hovering behind your chair. And there were times where I felt like I heard something whispering behind my ear. So I I bet it was yes. like the same time. Other people saw like shadows backstage. Someone saw like a white wisp, almost like an orb going backstage too. Because basically the stage was like a regular stage and it was cut in half because we had a projector screen up. Yeah, And so you could still see a little bit, depending on where your seat was, you could still see kind of like behind the screen to the rest of the stage. And there was a point, too, where my eye caught – because you were right in front of the screen. And I was just enough to the side of the screen that I was partially in front but could partially see behind it. And my eye was caught by someone, like a shadow of a a person walking behind the screen. And I didn't think it was a ghost at the time. Like, I could hear them walking, too. I thought – because we previously had some tech issues there and they had to bring us up new microphones. I thought something like that was happening again. Like right away when we started the show, we did sound check at every venue before we went on stage and the mics were working totally fine. The second we got on stage, both of us had to replace our microphones. Both of us. Yeah. So I thought it was that. I thought someone was coming up again, like went back to kind of grab like, I don't know, a cord or something and was going to bring it back out. So they were walking behind the screen like towards the other side of the stage and I was hearing them walk and like had just seen kind of like this the back of them move forward. I remember I stopped and then you looked at me and you're like, what are you looking at? And I was like, uh, I think I just saw someone. And then the REM pod. And then ah! at that moment, the REM pod that was on the other side where I saw that person walking towards started going, foo, 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 lighting up 
the sensors going. Oh my God, we were losing our shit. That was one of the shows where you did get up and come and sit. I was scared. Uh, for a period of time, you sat at the bottom of my chair. And then for some of it, you sat on my lap because <laughs> we were scared and you were sitting closer to where a lot of the activity was happening. I also usually like whenever we would set up the REM pod, I would always make sure it was like at least in my peripheral vision, if not in front mm-hmm. of my eyesight so I could see it yeah. despite it being on the side of the stage. But for some reason at that show, I don't, I don't know, I just didn't test it out and I had put it behind my vision. So I couldn't see it at all. And so most of my reactions were off of seeing your reactions. And there were so many times that you <laughs> were made them scary. looking so scared that you would start by looking at me and then you would like look past me and your eyes. <laughs> it was terrifying. I'm so sorry. Like your reactions were so much scarier. But Okay, so this is actually a great segue into hauntings that people experienced at our show, including us, because we experienced a lot of things. But at the end of every show, we told everyone a a way to help that Greg and Dana had told us. So basically, backing up. Okay, so when we went to the Conjuring house, you and I, Corinne, were a little bit apprehensive and nervous that we would bring anything home. So we asked Greg and Dana, like, if there's any way to protect us and whatnot. They taught us this technique that you shake it off. And like after we left the conjuring house, we truly like in the driveway, just like shook it off. And like you shake off all energy, make sure you're not bringing anything home. We did this with every Mm -hmm. show. And this one at the Denver show was so wild because we've had people who don't shake it off because they're like, oh, it's fine. And then we got so many emails from people who were like, should have listened. And as we're shaking it off, the REM pod was lighting up and beeping like crazy. Okay, yes. And I liked that that happened because I felt like for anyone who is hesitant about shaking it off, because it does look silly, and I I started to say that too, like you're going to feel weird, you're going to feel embarrassed doing it, but just get up and do it. I feel like for anyone who maybe questioned whether they should, that might have been enough motivation to actually make sure people were shaking it off. Yes. Should we read some experiences people had? Yes, we should read some experiences. Do you want to go first? This is called Houston Show Haunting, Peggy the Doll Related. Oh, a two for one? Oh, no. A two for one. Okay. First of all, hello, girlies. I love you. My name is Emery. Now getting into the dirty details, my bestie and I were absolutely stoked to be at your show. She's the one who showed me your podcast years ago, and we were totally fangirling at the idea of even being in the same room as you guys. That's so (laughs) nice. That's also something that was so wild for us on tour, like people being excited to meet us because I feel like we're still more excited to meet them. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> we're nothing, nothing special. No, we get to meet you guys who listen, which is wild. Yeah. We were a little bummed that we didn't get tickets early enough to buy VIP tickets, but nonetheless, we were so thrilled to go. To preface this story, it is imperative to mention that part one of Peggy the Doll story came out a couple days before the Houston show. I carefully listened in my car throughout my commute because I have a very young daughter and a very old dog. And after hearing your warnings about listening in your home, I decided I should protect them as much as possible. I did have the YouTube video up. I promise I'm a safe driver. (laughs) I just glance at the video when I know photos appear. So I did see Peggy's very undaunting face. Mm -hmm. I expected something much scarier. I was pleased that nothing seemed to be off with me during or after that episode. Or so I thought. I can't wait hopefully, to hear what you guys think about the story. Oh, no. Okay. Ah. Also, important to mention that I consider myself to be somewhat sensitive. I have tons of stories that I promise I will get around to writing in. 
I'm typically very intuitive and usually have a strong gut feeling when something paranormal is going on. I need to really tune into my abilities because I believe I could definitely get more from this paranormal side of me than just being constantly spooked or on edge, (laughs) LMAO. (laughs) Okay, okay. I get it. Get to the story already. The evening of the show. My partner was going to drop me and my bestie at your show. Shout out to our DD. But he was feeling suddenly awful. Even asked us to vacate the bathroom briefly while we were getting ready. Sorry to expose you like that, babe. (laughs) So because of this, we showed up like right on time. Only one other group of people showed up behind us in line to get in. I didn't think anything weird about my boyfriend getting sick until now when I'm typing this. Definitely sketchy. So since we arrived briefly before you guys took the stage, there were not many seats available and we opted to stand in the back. We made eye contact a few times, so please tell me you remember it. Duh. It will make my day. <laughs> we do. We remember you. They write, I don't care if I'm a little delusional. I know it happened. We made <laughs> eye contact with so many. Like, I hope people know that we actually made eye contact with you during the show. We did. There was only one venue where we couldn't see the audience, but every other venue we could and we were looking at you. Although I was feeling a little self-conscious after. What was the venue that we played in the movie theater? Oh, it was in Tampa. It was in Tampa because we played two two shows, shows, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I did feel a little self-conscious because I could see only like the first two rows of people and then every every other row was dark, but I knew where people's eyes were. So I was making deep eye contact. But I also was like, I could have insulted people like making jokes and like staring at someone and they think I'm like intentionally staring at them after saying something kind of inappropriate. So I'm sorry. I don't know who you are or what you looked like. I only knew that there were two reflective eyes, basically. I saw the whites of people's eyes and I stared at that. What if you were looking at a ghost? You wouldn't have known. It could have been like a creepy, like floating eyeball situation. (gasps) The ghost is like, how dare you say that to me? (laughs) How dare you talk about menstruation and looking deep into my soul? Yeah. And girls' bathrooms. Okay. We had an unobstructed view of you guys, which actually may have been an issue if we were sitting because I'm very short, and we were also super happy to be staring at the back of Corinne's parents' heads. (laughs) Yes, Corinne, you really do look just like your dad, but prettier and feminine. So for some reason, almost immediately after you girls were describing all of your ghost detecting equipment, I started feeling lightheaded, intoxicated almost. And yes, I did pregame the show a bit and had a drink in hand, but this feeling came over me like a wave. I brushed it off, but I started feeling very anxious. A few minutes into the show, my bestie noticed that there were a good amount of seats available in the same row as Curran's family and said that we should go sit down. I had this overwhelming feeling and very urgent sense of anxiety, like I needed to distance myself from the crowd to stop entrapping myself with everyone else's energy. Oh, geez. So we decided to keep standing, and it made for a great show, honestly. I would do it again. However, shortly after that, I felt a very heavy and painful feeling across my chest and my collarbones. It felt as if someone was gripping their fingers around my collarbones and pushing down hard. I can replicate the burning painful feeling by gripping my own collarbones, which almost freaks me out even more to know that it really is like something was gripping and pushing me. Jeez. Thankfully, eventually this feeling subsided. And then once we started discussing Bathsheba, I felt extremely exhausted. I know you briefly spoke about her, but I counted myself yawning at least five times. Sorry to bore you so much. I even told my bestie that I needed to get a Red Bull if I was going to make it through. And then as suddenly as the sleepiness came in, it went and I felt fine. Like we were just going about the show. Hmm. Weird. 
that was basically all that I experienced during the show. However, the lightheadedness sort of stuck around throughout the night. As you ended the show with, so who would want to go visit the conjuring house? I shouted from the back, only if you'll go with me. And I know you guys heard that. (laughs) I'm not being delusional this time. I hope I wasn't disruptive, but I was just enjoying myself way too much. We liked that people were interacting. Yeah. We wanted that. Yeah. Yeah. There were some shows where people weren't talking and we're like, speak, you guys. We're asking you. (laughs) Answer. Answer us. (laughs) My bestie and I, in a thrill of adrenaline, decided to message you guys to come out with us. This was definitely delusional, but worth a shot. I'm slightly embarrassed about this, but would also probably do it again. You should. (laughs) Don't ever stop trying. So many people invited us out I for know. drinks, which was so nice. And you know, there was a world where we could have taken you up on it if we weren't getting up for 5 a.m. flights after exactly. every single show. Yes. Without a response, we went down the street to another location, ordered a beer, and found a couple seats to sit and gossip and catch up and rave about the show. Mm-hmm. By the time we finished our beers, there it was. The gripping, heavy, pushing feeling on my chest and my collarbones. I apologized to her about wanting to leave early and we called an Uber home. They, by the way, had a lot of their own ghost stories. Great Uber ride. By the time we got back to my place, I felt better. The chest pain and knowing that the subject line said Peggy, I'm already nervous. Right. It makes you nervous, like a heart attack. The next morning, I felt not hungover at all. My friend and I stayed up for a couple more hours having a couple more drinks when I got home. And as a mom of a toddler, I do not do things like this often. And I was expecting to have a raging hangover. (laughs) My boyfriend and baby left to do some things. And I planned on hanging back with my bestie all day. I was unreasonably emotional watching a rom-com while I waited for her to wake up. And then we went on about our day. I felt mostly fine, but I could feel that strange wave of lightheadedness coming over me again. And so I brushed it off as that inevitable hangover that I've been waiting on. Days went by. I went about my normal work schedule, but could not shake this lightheadedness, this hazy, anxious feeling. Peggy the Doll Part 2 comes out. I listen once again, only in my car. While I'm working, I can almost not focus. It feels like I'm having some weird out-of-body experience for almost two days, and it's very inconvenient because I'm an interior designer of sorts, and my main responsibility is to measure and drop spaces with important accuracy. After this super weird day at work, it all dawned on me, that all of these chain of events that I described in this email may be connected somehow, and I just had to write it in. It has only been a few days since then, and, well, I've been totally fine. Nothing else weird has really happened Hmm. until, like, right now. Oh, oh. As I've been typing this email while baby girl is napping, my partner was going to make a quick trip to the store. He asked me where his phone was and if I had it near me and my laptop, and I looked around briefly. I told him no. He looked all the way around the apartment even coming to feel my pockets like I forgot to check them (laughs) and nothing. He went out to our back patio where he was working on a project, came inside and said, what is that? I looked directly to my right and there on the ground is his phone in the middle of the floor. What? What did you guys do to me? (laughs) JK. But also I'm slightly concerned. I can't even process how that just happened. Also, in one of your most recent episodes, I recall Sabrina needing to take a second because she was feeling lightheaded and just off the way that she describes herself feeling is exactly what I experienced for days. So Jeez. what do you guys think? Did something follow me home from the show? Did Peggy get me through the screen? Is it probably a combination of it all? And I'm just an easy target because I'm sensitive and don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> really looking forward to hearing your thoughts. 
truthfully, your show was awesome. And even though I think something happened to me, I would still go again. So please plan on having more tours in the future. I've loved to watch you girlies grow into the sensation that you are today. Love you. Help me. Emery. (laughs) I want everyone to sign off like that. Love you. Help Help me. me. (laughs) I'm curious now how Emery is doing. It's been like 10 days since this email, right? Yep. I hope you're okay. I wonder if it's like a combination of the Peggy and the live show. And plus it was like right after Halloween, right? So it was like just the veil very thin. Or no, it was before Halloween. Oh, Houston. Yeah, you're right. It was right before. So the veil was very thin. Yeah. It was creeping up. Yeah. All the energies in the room too. I think people were really bringing a lot with them and picking up on a lot too. I mean, that's the biggest thing is like, it's really hard for us to know if any of the like ghost stuff happening at our show was from the venue, from us, Mm -hmm. or from people at the show because y'all are haunted. Well, and we had two people who had really incredible experiences with their parents who passed on, who came through during our show. This was, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. You tell the first one and then we can, I'll tell the New Orleans one. The first one, a woman was talking to us about how her dad had passed away a year before. This was at the meet and greet. And she was saying how sometimes she feels his presence and how he'll make himself known every once in a while with a sign. And when she says that, like he'll make himself known with a sign, one single spotlight from the stage turns on and shines right on her. So she's like illuminated. And we're just staring at her like, oh my God, I think this is the sign. This is the sign. So that was one of the first ones that was really incredible. And then in New Orleans, we were cleaning up the stage and a listener and her two friends came up to like the front of the stage and they're like, we don't have meet and greet, but we really just need to tell you the story. And you could tell that she was emotional. And I'm sorry, I'm blanking on her name, but she was like, my mom passed away and I haven't called her. I still have her phone number in my phone, but I haven't called her. Like, you know, it's just like saved as a contact in my phone. And I guess during the show, like right above where they were sitting, the lights kind of kept flickering a couple times. And at first they didn't notice it, but then she got up at one point, either to go to the bathroom or go get a drink or something. And her phone was in her pocket. And all of a sudden she hears Siri say, calling mom. And she pulled her phone out. And sure enough, her phone is calling her mom's contact, which she has not done or dialed in years or however long it's been. Mm And then immediately as she looks at her phone, the lights start flickering again. And even the people that were sitting behind them were like tapping them on the shoulder. And they're like, do you see that? Like the lights keep flickering for you. Just chills. It makes me so happy that, yeah, there's a lot of paranormal activity that happens at our shows. But it, I think it also creates a space that's easy for spirits to come in and communicate. Yeah. And so many people are looking for signs from loved ones. And sometimes it happens here. You know what the best compliment we received was? There was two. One was that we're changing the way that people view the paranormal and like witchcraft and stuff like that, which I was like, I feel like we're doing nothing for that, but thank you. (laughs) And the second (laughs) one, and this one, like I will never forget, a listener said, I used to be terrified of death and listening to your podcast has made me so much more relieved and like comfortable with the idea of it. And I was like, wow, that's just very beautiful. There is something beautiful about being on the other side. There is.
hey, real quick pause, really quick in the middle of us talking to let you know that, yeah, our podcast is very haunted indeed, because the last 15 minutes of this episode had so much interference on my end that we have to use the backup recording from the computer. So sorry that the audio is going to sound a little bit different, but ghosts are going to ghost, I guess. Back to it. I have a story from our listener, Nikki, and it's not necessarily about our show, but it is about our merch related to our show. Our merch is haunted? My Haunted AF Tour Hoodie. Hi, this is my first time writing in, so bear with me. I love your podcast so much. I've been listening to you all since the beginning. That Ouija board episode drew me in, and I have a story about a Ouija board that I will write in if you want it. Yes, we do. So I always look forward to y'all during my commute to work. I refuse to listen at home just in case something creepy happens, but apparently have no problem listening while driving down dark, twisty Vermont roads all by myself in a car. What the heck is wrong with me? But yeah, love y'all so much. Anyway, to get to the point, I'm writing because my tour hoodie is haunted. I wrote about it briefly on the Facebook group, but I wanted to get it all out in the open for the world to hear. I went to your show in Somerville, Massachusetts, and it was an absolute blast. Obviously, I bought a hoodie. I love it so much. But things started to get weird once I got home and started wearing the hoodie around my toddler. She's about 21 months, so prime creepy kid age. And one day I was wearing my hoodie around my kid. Normally, I was always wearing it at night after she went to bed, so she had never seen it before. I had her up on the changing table, and she noticed my hoodie, pointed to the photo of the conjuring house, and said, Boo! I got immediate chills. Oh my God. Because it's not that creepy. No, but a little backstory. She has just learned the word boo and uses it exclusively for when she sees images of ghosts. So that's the only time she ever says it, ever. So naturally, when she saw a picture of the house and said boo, and there are no visible ghosts on this sweatshirt, I freaked out, but tried to laugh it off. And I said to her, how do you know it's haunted? And I left it at that. The next day, I was wearing the hoodie again, playing with her, and she pointed again to the same picture of the house and says, boo, 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 about 10 times in a row. Where? Which picture? I think it's the this one. Or the middle one? Uh, the, oh, no, it's the one of the house. So it's this one. Okay. This time, it happened in front of my mom and my partner. So, of course, they just laughed. The second part is what happened at night. So my daughter had been sleeping in my room for about a week since her grandparents were in her room. And during that week, she was waking up inconsolable every night around 3 a.m. I'd have to pick her up, take her to bed, and calm her down. Except one night, she slept fine. I didn't really think anything of it until I realized that of all nights that she had been inconsolable, the hoodie had been in my room next to her crib. That one night that she slept soundly, the sweatshirt was left in the living room. Stop. So the next night, she woke up crying again at 3 a.m. And I decided I'm going to take the hoodie out of the room and put it in the living room. When I came back, she was fast asleep. Not creepy at all. So now the hoodie lives in my laundry room at night or really whenever I'm not wearing it so that we can all get some sleep. However, whenever I still wear it around her, she never fails to point at the exact same picture of the house and say, boo. Naturally, All my friends believe that I should get rid of it, but I love it too much to let it go. One of them offered to do a cleansing to at least see if that would help. Either way, I guess I'll just have to live with a haunted hoodie. What do y'all think? Can a picture of a haunted house show kids' spirits? Is my hoodie super haunted? Did it bring something back from the show? 
Would love to hear your thoughts. Hopefully I'll see you on this side, but if not, see you on the other side, Nikki. So uh, it's the specific image. Yeah. So it makes me think that either there's something in that picture that we can't pick up on, or there was a spirit at the show that was like, oh, this is basically like a dollhouse for me to now live in. Or Nikki, your daughter is like a reincarnated soul from the conjuring house. Yeah. Or someone who'd investigated it before, you know? Yeah. Your child used to live in Rhode Island. It's like, I know this house. Boo. (laughs) Yeah. Your kid knows that that is a haunted house. And we also had so many other emails from people who had encounters. We had people who did not shake it off at the end of the show and had encounters like feet Mm -hmm. being pulled at night and nightmares and stuff. But listen, we all survived. And on Patreon, we posted if people had questions about tour that they wanted us to answer. So we're going to go through right now and answer a couple. There are a lot more questions on here. We're just going to answer a couple. (laughs) This one's funny. Okay. I'm only asking this one because our podcast name is Two Girls, One Ghost, and it feels appropriate. Tracy asked, how do you go about bodily functions around each other? How do you navigate disagreements? What do you do on non-show days? Saw you in Tampa and cried tears of joy as you walked out. Made my ear finally seeing you. So we have no shame. We just go to the bathroom around each other. We usually announce it too. Yeah. We let each other know. It's like, I need to poop. And we just go and do it. (laughs) And then there were times where we were driving and I'd be like, we got to pull over. Got to stop. I might be a minute. (laughs) Pull over immediately. (laughs) There's no shame there. I mean, I also told every single person in Charlotte, North Carolina at the show that I peed on my walk home behind a car because I couldn't hold it in. Like, I'm, there's no shame. I've told everyone I yeah. pooped my pants. There's no shame there. I don't think we had many disagreements. No. I think we were just, there were times where there'd be like emotional swings or like low battery. And yeah. I think we would just, we've been friends for so long that I think we're very comfortable sitting in silence. And so yes. we knew if the other person just like needed to just basically be alone but it's impossible to be alone when you're together that we just pretended to be alone (laughs) by just sitting in silence sitting in silence there were a couple times in the cars where we'd like just put podcasts on and listen to like we listen to ladies and tangents we listen to ologies you know listen to things but sat in silence yeah and then in tampa we had we had one day free where we kind of like did our own thing at the same hotel and then we had two days free in Arizona and we drank pina coladas and went down the lazy river. Virgin pina coladas. I read two books, one book a day. Yeah, you did. Have you finished actually? Have you read the, finished the Riley Sager one? I did. Oh. My first Riley Sager book. Yay. Okay. Well, we're going to do a book club in December and we'll talk about it there on Patreon. Yes. Okay. Marissa B asked, what are your top five beauty or comfort items that you had to bring with you along tour? Did you bring anything that you were that was necessary? Well, what became necessary was makeup wipes because yes. there was no way I was w- fully washing my face after each yeah. show every single night. We we're too exhausted. Yeah. So no, I should have done a lot more, but I didn't. I have pimples all over my face. I refuse to wear makeup for the next month. Yeah. That was my routine. What I missed the most, Q-tips and like a thick floss. Floss. That's what I was missing. Oh, I had floss. I had floss the whole time. Yeah, I know. So did I. But I like their like really thick cocoa floss that like really oh, gets in yeah, there. Gets in there. I didn't pack any though. What were yours? My Tula face wash or not face wash, face lotion because my skin gets so dry. Mm-hmm. And then I brought my nude like laser hair removal that I did very sparingly occasionally. <laughs> and then 
buxom mascara is like literally my favorite thing in the world. Also, can I tell the story about where were we? Phoenix? I think it was Phoenix. And we were going to sleep pretty early, but there was one night where I, I wasn't really tired yet. And I had a pack of Oreos and peanut butter and I really wanted to eat them, but I didn't want to wake you up because I thought you were sleeping, but you were watching something on your phone. But I, so I locked myself in the bathroom and ate my Oreos and peanut butter. And all of a sudden I get texts me like, Hey, are you okay in there? Yeah. But then you didn't answer. And then like another 15 minutes go by and then I knock on the door and you're showering. And yeah. so I was like, hello, because it had been 45 minutes in total. And that was 45 minutes of me waiting to pee like in the bathroom. And I didn't know that you were in there eating Oreos. I ate Oreos and then I showered. Yeah. And by the time yeah. I did text, you were in the bathroom yeah. like showering. Yeah. There was also, you lost your electric toothbrush and TSA. It yeah. came out of your backpack pocket. I didn't know what it was. And the TSA guy like held it up to me and was like, ma'am, is this yours? And it so looked like a vibrator. And I was kind of embarrassed. And I was like, no. And then that night I was like, oh, I can't find my toothbrush. And you're like, I know exactly what happened. I was like, oh, shit. I know what happened to your toothbrush. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. This is from Bigfoot's Ghost. Which of you is more likely to follow through on a dare? This is not about tour, but I just am curious who you think. I guess it depends on what the dare is. It depends on what the dare is. Yeah. But I feel like we both would be pretty good about it. I almost think you're most likely to follow through on the dare and I'm most likely to dare someone. That's true. That That's a good way to yeah. put it. Okay. This is from Lexi. What have been your craziest live hauntings during your tour shows? If we want to both pick one. I hope you pick the one that I think you're going to pick because otherwise I'm going to say it after anyway. But I think one of the craziest slash funniest haunting was when I kind of like pretend grinded up on the... EMF reader when it was going or no the, the REM pod mm -hmm. and then the REM pod was quiet for a while so Sabrina moved the REM pod over towards me again and was like did you like when Kern grinded on you and it lit up again and someone else had an SLS camera with them and they captured a stick figure looking being that was laying down in between the two of us during that show that kind of like had its hand on its head like the elbow up and it looks kind of like a paint me like one of your French girls yeah. type of pose. And so we were like, that spirit's very funny. Yeah. Okay. So mine, this is a, just to like say kind of throughout the whole tour. I mean, we, uh, our podcast name is already like a sexual innuendo. We have the humor of like teenagers and I think our ghosts are pretty pervy. There was, it was the Phoenix show and you made a joke about putting menstruation blood into a squirt gun and the ghosts went freaking bananas. Like so many things went off. Like everything on stage. Yes. Yeah. Multiple pieces of equipment lit up. And then in Vegas, when I was talking about Thunder Down Under, like multiple of the things went off That's at the, the same one. time. Yeah. I was holding the, what are they called? Why can't I think of their name? Dowsing rods. The dowsing rods. Yeah. And you asked like, do you want to go to Thunder Down Under? And a bunch of stuff on the stage lit up and the dowsing rods like, as quick as they possibly could yeah. crossed to yes. Yeah, we had to. Okay. One last question and then we'll answer the rest on Patreon. What is your favorite gift you've been given at a show? That was from Shay. I mean, I like all the gifts. They're so thoughtful. I think a few that come to mind right off the bat was someone 3D printed a Bigfoot. Jendi. Oh, oh, oh. Well, Jendi 3D printed teeth. Yes. The tooth is definitely super memorable with the 
with the different crystals and protective teeth, but someone else used a 3D printer and painted and created this like light up. Yeah, you can see it right here. It's a UFO with a Bigfoot underneath and it lights up and it changes colors. It's so cool. And then someone else drew places that we talked about, like drew and framed some of the places that we've covered and talked about. Like beautiful sketches of the homes and buildings. We also got some like cross stitches. Yeah. Those are a few, but I mean, there's so many. Yeah. People are so talented. So many crocheted projects and stuff. Like people are, yeah, super talented. Yeah. I also think the most used gift were our Andy and Anne dolls. Our emotional support. (laughs) I almost called them animals. Dolls. Kind of. I mean, we don't know what's inside of them. But yeah, we like held them, cradled them every show. Well, Corinne, we survived. We survived. Thank you guys all yeah. for coming and listening so and supporting us and listening to 90 more minutes of us talking about Taurus if we hadn't talked about it in every episode for the <laughs> past two months. Yeah. We appreciate you. We love you all so much. Thank you for listening. And please share if you had any experiences on tour. Maybe we'll do an encounters if we get enough emails. If you experienced anything from our shows, please email us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com or any of your hauntings, really. Just email them to us. And we will. See you on the other other side. Very spooky. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.